Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. This is an ethereous podcast, and it's also syndicated on other radio networks. Today we're going to be joined, I'm very pleased to say, by two good friends of mine. First of all, Pat Higginson, uh, who will be uh, doing our, our presentation. And before her will be Ayub Malik. I've got it in the wrong order. Pat will be doing the moment of truth. And then Ayub Malik will be doing our guest presentation. And we're looking forward to that. And we're always joined, of course, by our producer, Darren Ball, with questions, with comments from you. And we really appreciate all the questions, the comments that we're receiving here on the Spiritual Freedom Show. Uh, they are they're so rewarding. I must say it's an absolute honor and privilege to be doing this show. And it's great that two uh, radio networks are also syndicating it. And the nine freedoms, I would say for the first time in history, are going out in a way they have never been disseminated before. But of course, we do have a most wonderful book and wonderful lectures uh, delivered by Dr. George King, who was, of course, the medium who received and brought these great truths to us, truths delivered by Mars Sector 6. So do go to the Nine Freedoms page on www.ethereus.org and you'll see the whole background, if you're a new listener, to how these Nine Freedoms were delivered to Earth. I believe these are the greatest teachings available in these days. And I say that with the deepest possible respect to the wonderful teachings that have gone before, the, the, the great Dharmapada, some of the aspects of the Bible, including the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments, uh, the Vedas, of course, the Tao teaching, one can list them, uh, the great Patanjali aphorisms and so on. But for me, nothing uh, is to compare with the nine freedoms. And of course, the intelligence who gave these teachings is a lord of karma, that is Mars Sector 6. And no other radio station in the world is regularly broadcasting extracts from the Nine Freedoms and the actual audio recording over 60 years ago of this great uh, lord delivering these teachings through Dr. George King in a deep somatic trance. And what an honor that is for us here on the Spiritual Freedom Show, and one for which we're very grateful to the international directors of the Ethereum Society who've given us permission to use these. And what we're doing, as regular listeners know, we're breaking them down into very short extracts. So we're not covering each freedom one by one as we go through these texts. We are taking three or four sentences from one, three or four sentences from another at a time per show. And really, we have the opportunity then to plumb deep into the meanings. And above all, I think most important to us on the Spiritual Freedom Show is how can you apply this in your life now? And we're even attempting to do that with the most advanced of these freedoms. And last time, we looked 
at the eighth freedom, Saturnian existence, and tried to see even at that incredible level, and if you missed that one, do look it up, Saturnian existence, uh, the eighth freedom, and even there, how can we use this as a pattern in a tiny way, yes, a small way, but try to follow the example, the demonstration, uh, the living realization of these very, very advanced intelligences. But today we're going back, as it were, not quite to basics, although it is a fundamental, but to the first freedom. And do bear in mind that the early freedoms especially, and we were told this by St. Guling, an ascended master who introduces each one of these freedoms, they were not necessarily given in order of importance. Uh, but they all apply, and you can see them all, by the way, in all of the freedoms. And bravery is absolutely crucial at every stage of our evolution. And we're now going to look at an absolute key, because the subject we're looking at is three ways to make fear non-existent. And what Mars Sector 6 actually does for us is break this down, and he tells us the three things which create fear. And they are karma, environment, and present outlook. And if we're able to solve those three, then we will be able to make fear non-existence. And we're going to look at his words and how he tells us. And as you know, you're getting used to this, I think. Mars Sector 6 never uses 10 words, if two will do. Uh, he boils it right down for us in a very simple, not, a, not so much a basic, it can be an advanced teaching, but very simply put, and he'll tell us how to make these three things, that's karma, environment, and present outlook, how we can use that to make fear non-existent. So let's listen now, and I'll ask our producer, Darren Ball, to play the first extract, which will detail the first two of these three ways to make fear non-existent. Karma. You can, at this very moment, make for yourself a karmic pattern which, when manifested, will not bring vague fear as a result. Environment. You can rise above environment, for it is a changing thing. It is not a real You can, at this very moment, make for yourself a karmic pattern which, when manifested, will not bring vague fear as a result. One of the hallmarks, I certainly believe, of all the teachings of Mars Sector 6, but it's especially true of the Nine Freedoms, is his outstanding positivity. And by the way, you'll find that also in another great master, a very humble master, by the way, 
namely the master theories, if you look at his teachings, they're delivered in a very different manner, a very personable manner, not so terse, uh, more words, just make the same point. It's a different style. It's a different approach by a Venusian master in that case, but still this outstanding positivity. You'll also find it absolutely, by the way, in the teachings of Dr. George King himself, uh, who is a fearless uh, person and was a fearless person and who is always positive in his approach. And so many people, when they talk about karma, and I'm sure you've found this, they've got a negative approach. They speak of it as though it was some bad thing. Oh, dear, I'm going to get some karma or you're going to get karma for this, like almost like a threat. You know, and those things are not the most positive way. There's some truth behind that approach, but it's not the most positive way of looking at it because it's looking at it as a retribution over which we have no control. And that's the key point. Um, whereas Mars Sector 6 is enabling us. First of all, he's telling us that it's not just a retribution. In fact, the main aspect of it is positive karma. And we can turn it into something good for ourselves, into something great. We can use it to make ourselves a karmic pattern, which won't bring vague fear as a result. But also, he's telling us that we can do it. And I'm reminded very much of a, a wonderful transmission from Jupiter, actually. We don't have many transmissions from Jupiter. And the intelligence who communicated them was Jupiter 9-2, generally, uh, but in one of those, there's this wonderful aphorism, and it's certainly an aphorism which stands next to any of the great aphorisms, I believe. And I, I will read this to you. It's one simple statement, but it's so empowering. You came not to be a slave of the basic karmic wheel, but to be master of its every revolution. You came not to be a slave of the basic karmic wheel, but to be master of its every revolution. A very different approach than you'll often find even in some of the ancient teachers about karma, an empowering, enabling, liberating statement. And uh, I think that, as I said earlier, you'll find this also in Dr. King's approach because one of his, if not his main expertise, was karma. He was, a, he was a person. But I'd say this, I don't think you're going to find any teaching on karma yoga. And, and I have looked. And, and the practice of karma yoga, which compares with Dr. King's teaching on this, and with what the Ethereum Society does as a result. Uh, and if I, I suppose if I didn't think that, I'd be in some other organization. I wouldn't be executive secretary of this society. But how do we make a karmic pattern which doesn't bring vague fear? And it's interesting, isn't it, that Mars Sector 6 says vague? Because if you think about fears, they very often, they are vague. Uh, they, they, the vaguer they are, the more actually they can affect you because they are the product of imagination and all the vagaries of imagination. Um, and you can see it in many, many examples. If you take, for example, climbing a mountain, and let's just say it's, it's a safe climb, but a difficult one, uh, for some the whole thought of it might be just too daunting. They might have the prowess, they might take the same precautions, adopt the same safety measures, 
But there's one of these two climbers who's up for it and the other one who is is fearful. I don't mean sensibly cautious. I mean fearful. And there's so many other examples you could think of, uh, so many. And it's because we've allowed the imagination to come in in an uncontrolled way. But here we're told we can change our karma and that will not allow those vague fears to manifest it. So how do we change karma? Well, I think you know by now, we have studied aspects of the third freedom as well, service, of course. I mean, if you give healing to someone who suffers from anxiety, for example, you're going to gain greater strength yourself to cope with that condition because you've summoned up, you've channeled the energy required to heal such a condition, not for your own sake, but in order to serve. If you have stage fright before you appear in public or before you go on a radio show, let's say, or before you have to do various things, go to an interview, but you're going somewhere for the sake of others, to share your knowledge, to share your experience, that desire to serve those who are going to listen to you, who've come to learn from you, that will inspire or it can inspire you to overcome fear. And you can apply it in so many areas of life. And of course, the whole essence of karma is that what you send out must be returned to you. As you sow, so shall you reap as I'm sure you've heard so many times before, or more colloquially, what goes around comes around. So if you're sending love to a great intelligence other than yourself, say through the 12 blessings, it must be returned to you and in a much more elevated form. And when it is, it will change you. And that's karma too. And that change will help you to conquer fear or to eliminate fear before it even raises its head. Uh, in your thoughts. And I want to stress you, I don't mean sensible precautions about life. I don't mean that. I mean the vague, what Mars X calls their vague fear. Uh, you can create conditions in which you deserve an inner strength, which enables you to control your imagination sufficiently to make fear non-existent within you. Uh, so the second factor we move on to that can bring fear, Mars Sexus tells us, and does bring fear, is environment. It's a result of karma, environment, and present outlook. And again, he gives us a positive solution in just one sentence, typical of, uh, of his way of teaching. And this is the sentence. You can rise above environment for it is a changing thing. It is not real. I mean, that thorn, thought alone is a liberator. I mean, as Dr. King points out in his commentary in the book, how many people are born into very difficult conditions in their childhood, perhaps poverty, perhaps other very unpleasant or difficult conditions, and yet they are able to rise above it. Uh, they don't accept it, as it were, as their destiny. They don't accept it as a real thing, and they end up, in one way or another, very successful. And I'm no expert on this, but obviously, like everyone, I think I've heard about this. The schoolgirl Anne Frank managed to maintain, incredibly, some cheerfulness in her diary in a situation in Nazi Germany, which was truly horrendous for her and her family. She was rising, a schoolgirl there, above environment. Um, and... And in the end, of course, it's not the environment which determines your inner being. 
Countless mystics deliberately sought out the most basic of conditions, not just in the East, but in Western traditions too, in pursuit of some form of divine communion, and often they found it in those conditions. And let me give you another example, uh, someone you may or may not have heard of, uh, but just a, a person who uh, was born of well-to-do parents, gave up his wealth to live in grueling conditions in desert regions in the Middle East in the 4th century. This is Saint Hilarion, and I could name other saints, a Christian saint in this case, and he performed many healing miracles and other miracles. And he realized, even at the age of 15, that environment was not real, and that to find reality, he needed to seek out what most people would regard as uninhabitable conditions, and there he found spiritual fulfillment. So he actually went the opposite way from the person who was born into poverty and, as it were, made good of their life. He left fairly wealthy conditions, and he made very, very good of his life at the spiritual level in much more basic and difficult physical conditions. And one could give many other examples, some of them among very ordinary people. One might be resentful of what they regard as an unpleasant environment in which to live, but another is grateful that they live in exactly the same environment. That person's risen above. They've used their gratitude, which is a transmuting force, to rise above environment. And with that, fear can be changed into something else, especially with a growing understanding of karma, of course. We're here for a reason created by ourselves. When we change that reason that we're in the environment we're in, we have nothing whatsoever to fear. So we can see that environment is not real, which means that any fears arising from it cannot be real either. We can rise above them as well as just as we rise above the environment we find ourselves in, bearing in mind that we're only there in the first place because we put ourselves there either in this life or in a former one. Uh, it's, it's a liberating force. Those are the first two ways we can make fear non-existent, changing our karma and rising above our environment. Anyway, at this point, I'm going to introduce our producer, Darren Ball, into the show, because he always comes with interesting questions. Questions, by the way, which I've never heard before. We do that deliberately, so it's genuinely spontaneous and uh, also comments. So, Darren, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm great. Great to be on the show again today. I, um, I just a particularly helpful illustration there, I think you just gave comparing, um, you know, someone who's rising above poverty to someone who's leaving materialism behind. And, um, you know, they're, what they're, they're both seeking. Um, and yet it's all just a matter of perspective in that way, isn't it? It is. And by the way, Darren, I must correct myself because I said Nazi Germany, but of course, she was, uh, Anne Frank was in occupied Holland. Um, my very good assistant here, namely my wife, has just corrected <laughs> me on that point. But please go on, Darren. Sure. I was also intrigued that you mentioned um, St. Hilarion there. Is that the Ascended Master, the same name? Well, that's unknown. Um, I would have my own opinions on that, and I could certainly believe it. Um, mm. And, of course, the, in some theosophical circles, it's a, there's a belief that um, Saint Hilarion, or Hil the Master Hilarion, who gave light on the path uh, through Mabel Collins, wasn't it? Um, mm. That yeah. Master, in their belief, whether they say it's the same Hilarion, I don't know. There is a belief in some circles that Saint Paul 
came back as Saint Hilarion. So there's all those views out there. St. Paul is definitely an ascended master now, uh, a planetary master, actually, that we know. Well, um, so anyway, thanks to everybody um, who's been tuning in, to our listeners, for your comments, for your questions, for little stories about how these teachings have resonated with you, particularly have been able to relate them to your life as well, since that's one of our missions here on the show. So definitely do write in, as always, continue to share those with us um, so that I can read them out on the show, um, like the ones I have today. And that's to spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. I'd like to invite you also to check out Richard's website for other shows that he has appeared on recently to share these cosmic teachings at richardlawrence.co.uk. So I thought I'd start here, Richard, with, um, since we're talking about overcoming fear today, um, had this very honest and I think thoughtful question that came in that I wanted to read out. Um, and this person writes as follows. They say, where possible, I like to imagine day-to-day scenarios to apply the teachings of the nine freedoms, which is great. Mm. This scenario leaves me feeling extremely uncomfortable in terms of the action required to meet the test of bravery. Would I be willing to take this action? And given my knowledge of the practice, would I be brave enough to demonstrate bravery? For example, a go-to defense for people in the military or civilians who are associated with the Nazis, which you know, just talked about them mm. here today, would have been, you know, those were my orders, or I was just following orders. Mm. Um, but bravery, by the way, of teaching would have meant that that shoulder should have refused to fire or participate in such action, which most probably would have resulted in, you know, his arrest or a court-martial or dishonorable discharge and, you know, whatever ramifications might have happened in their life after that. So, but is this the face of bravery that Mars Sector 6 is referring to? Well, I think uh, it's a great question, isn't it? It's a very self-knowing question, I would say. There's a person Mm -hmm. who's being very honest, and that's the first step. And I think all of us, if we're honest, we could look at things and think, gosh, I don't know, how would I, you know, rise to that occasion if I was in it? And it's Mm. good to to be that honest and to have a certain humility about it all, while at the same time, you know, resolving to do the right thing. Now, there are complicated situations that we can all find ourselves. I think the only silver lining to that, uh, it may sound like a strange silver lining, is that we're in those situations because our karma has demanded it or we wouldn't be in it. They can be very complicated tests And sometimes the solution might be different for different people, depending on a whole variety of factors. But at the core of it, the answer to the question is, yes, bravery will always be a necessary uh, factor in all important decisions that we make. I mean, whether it be just standing up to family members and friends and telling them what our real beliefs are, whether they like it or not, whether it's the way we were raised or not, we're old enough, say we're adult. And we make a choice and we have to, it might be difficult for some people to, mm. to tell family members this. And for others, it isn't very difficult. So it all really depends from person to person. And it has to be used sensibly. I do want to stress that. We're not talking about foolishness or, you know, uh, sort of dying unnecessarily. I mean, there are many a martyr in history uh, who possibly could have avoided martyrdom. Uh, just by being a bit more cunning about it, maybe. Mm. Um, And so these are the choices to be made. But even that would require great bravery. So um, I would say the simple answer is yes. Mars Sector 6 is applying it to all aspects of life whenever we're faced with, to coin a phrase, doing the right thing. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because actually the next question I had here, which you've basically answered now, I think, which was why are we facing problems and difficulties in the present life? And um, yeah. you know, certainly what you've just said there, but I think also on an earlier show you've said you know we ha- it gives us the opportunity to demonstrate this bravery, which is the first of these freedoms from our sector six. Yeah, and I think that, as I say, is a kind of a silver lining too, and it, mm-hmm. to me it is. I mean, I, I remember actually, and I won't go into a long thing here, but I was on a 
a radio show up in Manchester years ago, and there was somebody listening who who decided to take their own life. And what we were talking about on this, and I didn't know that, obviously, they were a listener, they told Mm. us later, we were talking about karma, we were talking about that very thing that we we have these experiences because we need them. It, it, and it wasn't in like comfort. It wasn't so sympathy per se, but it was the sort of the, the basic facts, which I think is much more liberating. And by the way, this person who was listening said, uh, as she heard these words about karma, a light came into her room where she was. She was she wow. was listening to the radio. She had the pills. She says lined up. She didn't take them. She she phoned the radio station. Uh, she couldn't get in through that day, but the radio station got her in touch with uh, help. And I heard from her for a while every year. So as far as I know, she was fine. But that the point I'm making there is what triggered it for her was this understanding of karma. And so, yes, no matter how difficult a situation we're in, it is necessary for some purpose, for some lesson that we need. It might not be necessary for someone else or someone else might not be ready for that lesson at this point, but it is there for us and therefore we can do it. And I think that's that could help to give us bravery as well. Absolutely, totally agree. Uh, I think probably now um, we need to hear, and it'd be great to hear from our first uh, guest, who's going to share her moment of truth, what we've come to call MOT on this program. <laughs> um, those in the UK will know that phrase. It's a it's a motoring term over here. It's a test here that people have to have for their cars. But we're not, we're talking about something far a much more important journey. We're talking about the spiritual journey. And our guest is Pat Higginson, who's a long-standing staff member at the Ethereum Society. I've worked with her for many years. Uh, in London. Uh, she lives with her husband, Pete, who you heard on the show a few weeks ago, uh, reading beautiful extracts about cosmic consciousness for us in an earlier episode. She's been a member of the Ethereum Society for over 45 years and used to actually be the administrator of our Inner Potential Center, which was very successful and ran numerous courses in the mind, body, spirit, new age field. Uh, she's run many services, she's held many workshops, and today she's going to be sharing with us her moment of truth. So welcome, Pat. Well, thank you, Richard, and congratulations on the show. Really loving it. Thank you, Pat. Right. Um, I'll start by saying that although I don't come from a religious family, um, I did attend a Church of England school and as consequently visited the school on many occasions. But I didn't really feel fully at ease with the teachings. So then moving on in the early 1970s, um, and it was at the end of the flower power and hippie era, I met Pete, now my husband. And it seemed a lot of people at that time were looking for the meaning of life. And uh, we were certainly no exception. So our quest for truth began. Um, We went to the spiritualist church and attended a couple of psychic circles, which were interesting, but not of much substance. Then we briefly looked into a spiritual movement, which was spreading around the UK at that time. Um, It had originated in India and was started by a guru there in the 1960s, propounding teachings from the Bhagavad Gita. And we attended a few events, listening to satsang, it's called, given by one of the Mahatmas, but found it also to be lacking and incomplete. And then suddenly, a few months later, one evening, Pete happened to see a clip of a black and white TV programme featuring someone 
in trance, speaking to an intelligence from another planet. And of course, it turned out to be Dr. King on the Open Door program, uh, which I believe brought in a number of members. So the next evening, Pete met up with me and a few of our like-minded friends in one of our local haunts and told us about what he'd witnessed the evening before on the television. And while thinking it was all rather strange and different, to say the least, we thought, well, why not look into it? And following on from there, um, we obtained a copy of The Nine Freedoms from the library. And when I read it, I knew it what was I was looking for, in that it had the complete picture. To me, the information was profound, and the commentaries by Dr. King, easily understandable, and came from someone who knew what he was talking about, and that was important. So we then set about investigating the Ethereum Society and began our, our journey along this wonderful spiritual path. And shortly after that, as a group of nine friends, seven of us became members of the Ethereum Society. For me, it personally changed my life to give it meaning and make it complete. And as we know, no one comes across the nine freedoms by chance. But once you do, and if you take it to be true, there's a responsibility that goes with it. And that is to be of service in some form. So Pete and I then moved to the Derby group of the Ethereum Society for a while um, to gain more understanding. And while on a working trip to London at the headquarters, we were asked by Dr. King to move to London. He was our master, so obviously we did move. And then in the 1980s, it led to the wonderful privilege of me working with Dr. King as his secretary whenever he came over to England. Um, quite a, a unique, incredible and rewarding experience, which I'll always be thankful for. So although I came across the Nine Freedoms almost 50 years ago now, I can still pick it up as I do on a regular basis and find something new or understand a little bit more. So definitely for me, the Nine Freedoms was very much, um, you could say, my defining moment of truth. And as a result of coming across this brilliant exposition of truth, it, it really did change my life, or probably more accurately, lives, beyond any doubt. Wow. Um, so that is my moment of truth, Richard. <laughs> That's a wonderful moment of truth. Pat, thanks so much for sharing it. And yes, of course, you were, as you rightly say, Dr. King's secretary when he came over to the UK, and he loved working with you. I know that for a fact. And I should have mentioned that in your introduction, actually. But yeah, the nine freedoms. So that's absolutely in tune with the spiritual freedom. Yeah, book. absolutely. So it was, it really was my defining moment of truth. That, Fantastic. That Thanks so much, Pat Higginson. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, she mentioned there seeing Dr. King in trance. And on the internet, you can find a, a, a production by the BBC. It was called Lifeline. Uh, it was done in 1959. It is in black and white. And there you'll see Dr. King actually on television, which was an extremely dangerous thing to do, enter somatic trance in a TV studio. He did it twice. He did it once in the UK. He did it when he first went to America as well. And you can actually see him in trance as he received uh, a cosmic transmission from the master Ethereus. So that's something you, you might like to look up and find to see what Pat actually experienced when she or rather Pete, uh, I think, experienced when, uh, when he saw that clip. 
Now, we're moving on then to our second extract, the three ways to make fear non-existent. And we've covered karma, how we can change that environment, how we can rise above that. And we come to the third one, which is present outlook. So let's listen to this way to change our present outlook. Let's listen, please, Darren, to the second clip. A knowledge gained by adherence to the laws, the unchangeable laws, can bring to you that a stage of enlightenment which dispels fear. A state of mind can be changed at once for good or for evil. It is just as easy to have a state of mind unclouded by a fear as it is uh, to have a state of mind warped by this intrusion. Have this outlook upon a life, act in this way, and fear becomes non-existent. When a fear has been a transmuted in the fires of applied knowledge tempered by love, you become wise in your wisdom there is fortitude and bravery gosh there's so much in that short extract uh, for us to contemplate on uh, and think about knowledge gained by adherence to the laws that's the way that we're given to change our state of mind. And we're, we're told this is, as I said earlier, so positive, so encouraging. It's just as easy to have a state of mind unclouded by fear as it is to have a state of mind warped by this intrusion. And it's almost a foolish thing. I mean, coming back to the Jupiter, I mentioned Jupiter 9-2 and the few transmissions delivered by that great intelligence uh, so another one who is so uplifting and positive and encouraging man, humanity to rise up uh, all the time. And he said that we wouldn't, uh, and this isn't the exact words, it's from my memory, we wouldn't dip our foot in a basin of acid, but we do worse than that with our souls. It's, it's foolish. It's unnecessary. We don't need to have our minds warped by the intrusion of fear in this case at all 
and this will change our outlook, and this will, as he says there, make fear non-existent. Now, knowledge, uh, as Dr. King once pointed out in in one of his, uh, I think more than one of his talks, actually, but knowledge is a very different thing from wisdom. I mean, knowledge on its own uh, is only as good as how it's used. I mean, there was tremendous knowledge used, as we all know, in the invention, invention of the atomic bomb. Brilliant minds, uh, terrestrially speaking, went into that invention and tremendous knowledge. And yet, it's one of the most evil actions in the history of our world. It not only affects humanity, uh, but even worse, potentially, uh, it affects the planet upon which we live, the holy Mother Earth. And it can also affect conditions beyond this Earth. And we can see that, and this isn't this is another talk for another time, but there was destruction of a planet called Maldek millions of years ago, which is now the asteroid belt, and which was perpetrated by the human race as a result of gaining knowledge and applying it without what Mars 66 calls adherence to the laws. And then on the other hand, we have knowledge leading to medical advances, uh, improved transport, uh, better communication system. And these things have saved millions of lives on this world. And they've greatly improved conditions on Earth for humanity. So Mars Sector 6, as ever, is very precise when he gives us this third way to make fear non-existence. He says, knowledge gained by adherence to the laws, the unchangeable laws, can bring to you that stage of enlightenment which dispels fear. Fear can be dispelled, he tells us, and it will be when we reach a certain stage of enlightenment. It's just a sad fact that knowledge gained by adherence to the laws, and those laws, of course, are the laws of God, or karma, if you like, uh, is not a universally followed principle uh, on earth. And our academic and scientific institutions don't make that a prerequisite of their study. Uh, they, they study for the sake of study. I, I mean, some of them, of course, to advance medicine, other worthy causes, but they don't specify adherence to the laws in many institutions on our world. If they did, then, of course, the knowledge would be that much greater and lead to that much more wisdom. Uh, in fact, leaders of countries should really be f- discussing how they can make sure we're all following karmic principles. But that's unfortunately a bit of a pipe dream at the moment. Perhaps that's why the master theorists once described universities as frustration centers. I actually went to one, I'm sure many of our listeners did, but I think he was referring there to spiritual frustration. And then Mars Sector 6 makes this very positive statement. A state of mind can be changed at once for good or for evil. This Lord, this Lord of Karma, he always encourages immediacy at this very moment, at once. Uh, Procrastination would be completely alien to him, I think. Uh, It would be entirely pointless and completely superfluous. And how wonderful is this? Uh, we can we on earth we we are quite used to waiting for ages we we know in our heart of hearts perhaps what we to what we should do we know we've got to change sooner or later but we bide our time why for what 
what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for something just to suddenly happen from somewhere else? And then we say, oh, okay, then we'll change. And there are so many accounts uh, that I've come across, actually, related by people suffering from one kind of ailments, one kind of addiction sometimes, or another, and then something happens, and they're triggered by that something, and this is the thing that causes them to turn around and change, and it's a most wonderful thing when they do, by the way. I mean, it might be the look on their child's face, it might be the health condition of a loved one, it might be their sense of duty to a particular cause, or something that they, they're doing for humanity, and then they change, and then their recovery begins, and we know this is, this happens, uh, but the trouble is, in some cases, people, we all take very long to, to, time to change. And here, Mars Sector 6 Week says we can do this at once. We can do it now. We don't have to wait. And he states that it's just as easy to have a state of mind unclouded by fear as allowing it to be warped by this intrusion. It's an interesting word, that intrusion. It doesn't belong there. It's an interloper an unwelcome invader of our mind. It shouldn't be there. And you might have experienced this yourself. I certainly have. You Sometimes you think you're just not capable of rising to a particular occasion. It's just a bit too much, too much responsibility, just beyond your capacity. And that's a warped thought because you can't be put in a position, if it's a position of service, that you're incapable of. And you, you have to be just as determined about that as you need to be humble. It's just as bad to underestimate yourself as to overestimate yourself. And because of these kinds of thoughts, we can fail to live up to an opportunity presented to us which couldn't have been presented if we weren't ready for it. That is adherence to the laws. And then perhaps you come to your senses, or we all do, and because of that knowledge, we do rise to occasion. And then we find it just as easy. In fact, I would say it's easier because you've removed a splinter from your mind. And a side benefit of this, I would say, is that you're much happier. I mean, the pained expression on some people's faces when they do the wrong thing, is, is, it's, it is bathing your soul in the basin of acid. Uh, you know, it's completely unnecessary sometimes. And I must say over the last 40 years, I've witnessed it in so many people who've told me, and sometimes they look visibly pained as they tell me that they are not able to do this, that or the other. And others have put aside their misgivings. Sometimes they suddenly have what they call an epiphany. And they've come to be said, I've had an epiphany, and they do rise to the occasion, and they're much, much happier. This is knowledge gained by adherence to the laws. We learn that we can't be offered a spiritual opportunity that we're not capable of, and we carry that knowledge out. And as a result, we come, become more enlightened and dispel fear. This case, fear of our own inadequacy or our own weakness. There's many, many examples. Have this outlook upon life, act in this way, and fear becomes non-existent, says Mars Sector 6. Uh, knowledge brings responsibility. It requires us to act. The anti-slavery campaigner William Wilberforce said, and this is a quote now, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And he was talking about slavery, which he and many others, he wasn't, he wasn't working alone, were pointing out to people 
and they were trying to ignore it, but they knew. And the same is true even more so of spiritual truth. Uh, we, we know, we learn these laws, and we have to apply them. And when we apply this with love for all, fear will be transmuted, says Mars Sector 6. And then we take a step upwards and we become wise because wisdom is a step above knowledge. And Mars Sector 6 tells us, in your wisdom, there is fortitude and bravery. In other words, a wise man or woman must be, not maybe, but must be a brave man or woman, or I should say they will be. They can't be otherwise. There's nothing wise about being fearful when you really know the laws through adhering to them, not as a theory, but through practical application in your life. So the three ways, change your karma, rise above your environment, apply your knowledge in cooperation with karma, and fear will become non existent. How empowering is that? How wonderful is that? Uh, how grateful we are for those teachings. And this brings me now to our guest presenter, Ayub Malik, who's going to lead us in a practice. Actually, we've had uh, Ayub as a guest before on the show, giving his moment of truth, talking about his life-changing experiences using the spiritual practices given by Dr. George King in the book, I was privileged to co-author with Dr. King, Realize your inner potential. Ayub Malik's a full-time staff member at the Ethereum Society, very active in helping to promote the cosmic teachings on social media. In fact, you might have come across him already if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, especially if you've joined our Facebook group, Awakening Through King Yoga. If you haven't, by the way, do please join that group if you're interested. And there Ayub leads online workshops, teaching people these spiritual practices. And today he's going to share one of those with us on the Spiritual Freedom Show. So welcome, Ayub. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. So uh, I would like to share a very powerful practice uh, on, of yoga breathing. And uh, so let's go straight into it. So I invite everybody to sit upright in their chairs. Close their eyes, go within, head facing forward. And just go within, focus on the breathing, the inflow and the outflow of the breath. Through both nostrils. And why are we doing this practice? Yoga deep breathing practices help us to take in to ourselves more power, more energy, more vitality, more prana than we normally would through the normal breathing process. So through the normal breathing process, we may take in, say, for example, 10 times, uh, say, 10 amounts of prana in a minute, for example. And by doing yoga deep breathing practices, you might take in a hundred times more energy, prana, vitality, that your nervous system, your circulatory system, all aspects of your being can use and benefit from. And I'd like to share one very valuable tip 
that I learned from Dr. George King, which is to amplify the effects of the yoga deep breathing practices, and that is to request the air around you to be charged with a greater pranic charge. So I invite you to do just that. Request the air around you to be charged with more power, with more energy, more vitality. Imagine the room that you're in, the space that you're in being filled with a brilliant white light and request that the air around you be filled with a greater pranic charge and see it, feel it, this energy flowing into your vicinity in front of you, filling the whole of the room that you're in, the space that you're in. And on the next in-breath, visualize this extra pranic charge flowing in with each in-breath, filling the whole of your body from head to toe to the natural point or end point of your in-breath. And on, the, on your out-breath, think the words great peace, great peace, great peace. In-breath, visualize the white light flowing in. Allow the white light to flow in with each in-breath, charging you up, lighting you up, brighter than before. On your next out-breath, great peace, great peace. Great peace. In breath, white light, charging you up, lighting you up, using my words as guidance points, not as timing points. Out breath, great peace, great peace, great peace. In breath, white light. Imagine you're like a fish in an ocean of prana and you're breathing this prana in with each in-breath, filling all facets of your being. And on your next out-breath, great peace, great peace, great peace. Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters except for this practice. If your mind begins to wander, just bring it back to the focal point, allowing, visualizing the white light flowing in with each in-breath, filling every part of your being, and with each out-breath, great peace, great peace, great peace. In-breath, white light, charging you up brighter than ever before. With each in-breath, the white light is becoming brighter and brighter. And with each out-breath, you're going deeper and deeper into peace. Great peace. Great peace. White light, in-breath, charging you up, lighting you up. If somebody could see you right now, they'd see you being lit up completely, brighter than ever before. And with each out-breath, great peace. Great peace, great peace. In breath, white light. Out breath, 
Great peace, great peace, great peace. And then detach from that practice and tap on your knees, on your thighs, on your body. Just bring yourself back into the room, into the space that you're in and open your eyes. And that is a very, very powerful practice that I've used and often use. And I recommend anyone to use this practice when they're out and about. If they're feeling lethargic, lacking in energy, if they're feeling like uh, they're procrastinating, this is a great way to bring in more power, more energy, more, vit more vitality to transmute a lot of the laziness and the procrastination that can often weigh us down on the spiritual path. So thank you, Richard. That's the end of my practice. That's great. Thank you so much, Ayub. That's a very useful practice. I think uh, we've enjoyed doing that, and I think I'm sure listeners will do that again and again. So thank you very much, Ayub Malik. And that brings us, I think, Darren, to uh, our closing questions and comments, if you have any for us. Yeah, sure. So I just, uh, first thing I'd like to say, though, um, we wanted to invite everybody, if you'd like to leave us a rating or review of the show on your favorite podcast app, whichever one that is, and that's to help us spread the word about the show, Mars Sector 6 and these life-changing teachings. So I thought, Richard, um, I'd uh, kick off kick off this section here with a, a very good story that someone shared with us. Um, you have to bear with me, it's, it's, it's a little bit long, but I that's think it's fine. really worth it because yeah. it illustrates, I think, some great points we've been covering on, on our recent episodes. So um, this person writes as follows, hey, I woke up Wednesday a.m. about 5 a.m. to go to the bathroom and with absolutely this clear message, I needed to perform three days of service. It wasn't a dream. I woke back up and thought about it all day. I know service to others is a daily endeavor, but this feels specific, and I believe signs, psychic abilities, psychic abilities are around that everybody has. You just need to have, be of the mindset to listen, and that's something we've been talking about, isn't it? Mm. Um, this person says, it has saved my family's lives with a carbon monoxide detector I installed that went off just two days later because something told me to do it randomly one Sunday night. And that Tuesday, I left for work. It detected hundreds of levels of past familiar. It saved my life a few months ago when I randomly knew someone would run a red light. And I hesitated at the green light. I crept out just a little to view the second lane. I couldn't see because there was an SUV in the way. And I stopped there. And a couple seconds later, a green Bronco came right through the middle, slammed on its brakes, and would have been sliding through the entire intersection and me. I have these strong visualization techniques and predictions. Not always, but my point is that most people aren't receptive. The antenna is there, but it's picking up other stations, if you will. And I've been looking for ways to do a little community service, three days worth. I, I don't have a timeline. I just know it's something I've been told to do, and I'm going to do it. I read Realize Inner Potential, and the Nine Freedoms is next on my list um, when I'm done studying for my certificate of work. Anyway, I wanted to share that experience, and thank you very much. So, Wow, that's a great story. And I think we can gain a lot of confidence from that, because it's something we've mm -hmm. talked about before. And uh, well done, that person, for, for following their intuition. And as I've said before on this show, sometimes you get a thought pops into your head. Now, it might be your imagination. It might be your intuition. Sometimes you don't know. Uh, sometimes It might be a guide, or it could just be nothing much, just some thought, that a you know, random thought. But you'll start to get into a groove, and you'll start to recognize the difference. There's very, very different. There's much more substantial uh, an intuitive thought. It's something which you, and we're all different how we how we register this. But if you're not sure, and it's a safe thing to do, such as putting in this, uh, I think it was a carbon monoxide 
meter or mm-hmm. something. That's right. That's you know, right. I mean, the worst thing that you've done then is you, you've spent some money needlessly. But on the other hand, if it's right or if it's quite safe to slow down because you have a prompt him on the, on the road to do so, it's not endangering anybody else like that person did, um, then, you know, again, what have you got to lose? As long as it's a safe thing, the worst thing that can happen was it wasn't necessary and somebody says, get on with your, get on with your driving. But you yeah. might save someone's life. So that's mm. what I would say. And as you do that, you'll start to, to, to be an inner knowing. And in one way or another, you'll find your way of registering as a marked difference, actually, between an intuition of your own and uh, a prompting from a guide is different again, and the imagination is different again. And and these are mm. states of mind which you can start to learn in your spiritual development, just like you know when you're remembering something as opposed to when you're imagining something, or unless you have a false memory syndrome. That's mm. that's a thing we're used to doing, and you can do it with this as well. So, yes, yeah, a great, well worth reading, Darren. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think actually just reflecting on what you've said there, I often find one of the most difficult things about um, you know discerning our intuition from our thoughts and all that is often we'll get something and it'll be quite an inconvenient truth, or oh, yes. you know. Yeah, if I, if I can put it that way, yes. something that we really don't want to accept, or you know, a step we really don't want to take, but ultimately yeah. it's the right one. And um, you know, it's easy to kind of make an excuse at that point and say, "Oh no, that must be my imagination." When you know, yeah. that's in fact your intuition talking to you at that point. And I'd go yeah. so far as to say, you know, in spiritual development, you will get that for sure. That's one of the things that will happen. I mean, first of all, you you might become more aware of your own faults, uh, particularly past faults and mistakes and you need to do that and you need to be able to do that so not all these things are are pleasant and likewise some of your promptings won't be exactly what you want but that's the hallmark then and then others will be others will be marvelous and you'll have wonderful memories and wonderful promptings as well and it's just being willing and open to hear from them so i think we're coming to a close now unless you have one final comment darren yeah i've just um I'll just share just a comment we got recently, and I think this is a a great example about how we can all continue to plumb the depths of these teachings even after many years. And this person says, thank you so much for the great show. Although it is 35 years since I first found the Ethereum Society and became a member, there are always little seeds of wisdom coming alive from addresses and lectures. Loved it. God bless and thank you. Beautiful. And thank you. And thank you to our guests today. That's Pat Higginson with her moment of truth. Ayub Malik with the exercise he led us in. Thanks to Darren Ball, our producer. And especially thanks to you, our listeners. And and do remember to contact us. Do remember to send in your uh, comments and your questions uh, to us. And we'll be very happy to answer them and to read some of them out. And finally, let's remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.